0: Hello, welcome to the Fulham Focus podcast, my name's Matt Boisclare and as I took my seat at Craven Cottage this afternoon, I grasped my clapper which read, welcome home, it simply hasn't been the same without you. Don't you go pinning this one on me, thanks very much Fulham Football Club. Nine goals and two wins at home all season and relegation is all your own fault. It hurts we've been so poor, but thank goodness it's all over and done with now eh, the Whites will be back. Mark and Baldo join me tonight to chat about the games. So let's get into it. Fulham. Well, firstly, Baldo, how was it being back at the cottage today? It's your, your first uh, first opportunity to get back this season, wasn't it? I know Mark and I went to the Liverpool game, so how did you find it, mate?
1: Um, it was pretty... It was pretty emotional, I'll have to say, for a number of reasons. First thing, when you go into the ground, well, coming from Hammersmith, obviously, the work that everyone has been you know, pining on about on social media, the work that's going on with the new stand, my word, fantastic. You could see it from Hammersmith Bridge. It's, it's just awe inspiring. And then when you get into the ground itself, like, because I was coming in in that sort of corner between the Hammersmith and the Johnny Hain stand, that little corner there, and it's greeted in front of you and is gigantic gigantic again in sort of in comparison with the rest of the ground so it's pretty awe-inspiring and fantastic and then just that's back in the ground and then obviously when the players come out it, it was a pretty emotional day I think this was a day where you know feelings took over rather than facts of the occasion and you know being there when Ariola and Rodak and Fabry came out to do their warm-up it, it gave me goosebumps in a, in a, in a way because it, it was a great chance for you to you know, especially for Ariola, just been named Player of the Season. For him to, you know, get the the applause that he deserves after the season he's had, you know, it was just pretty, you know, pretty memorable. And I, it's going to sound incredibly weird and incredibly wanky, but I, I feel honoured to have been part of, you know, the fans that greeted him back after the season that he had. It was it was incredibly emotional and fantastic. Well worth the forty quid that I paid, in my mind.
0: I found that as well. I don't know about you, Mark. I know you were working today, so you weren't at the game. But when I went to that Liverpool game and the players came out to warm up, I wasn't expecting it. But when they came out to warm up, it just made the hairs on my arms stand up because it had been such a long time being away. It's just like, oh my God, we're in the ground. We're, we're actually here watching them and um, being able to support them. I, I don't know if you felt that, did you?
2: Yeah, definitely. I think Looking back to that Liverpool game, I think the one that got me most was, was Anderson because I think you, you you build attachments to the players that that are maybe there on loan, and you think, well, I'm actually you know I, I may never get the chance to see this guy in a Fulham shirt. So um, it's similar with that with with Ariola there as well. Um, so yeah, it, it is nice to kind of see these guys when you can, I guess. Um,
0: you've both mentioned Ariola there. Of course, he's just been named supporter's player of the season and the first available opportunity. The supporters would have to see him after being named player of the season. He's left out. I just, I, I do my best to to stick up for Scott Parker, but sometimes I, I just can't get my head around his his decision making. Um, it's it's another interesting lineup, isn't it? It's it's almost as if he's just pressed the randomise button and just picked the pick the squad that some computers just selected for him. No Anderson in the squad at all. As I said, Ariola left out for for his last game. What are your thoughts?
1: I mean, me and you've me and you talked about it because we bumped into each other after the game. You, th- there's some element of trying to get the logic behind it and the emotional side behind it as well. Because you know, Scott Parker said last week that he wants to start looking towards players that are going to be here for next season. You know, and that's something that I've been, you know, I've been, I've been, I've been in favour of. That's why I've been calling for Carvalho to play because he's going to play by this season. So you get the logic, like the only lone player that we had was um, was Adam odell So you think, you know, for the most part, everyone, I think, apart from Tim Ream, I think everyone there is under contract for next year. So you can understand the logical side of it, but at the same time, that you want the emotional side of it because... You know, I was, I was listening to Five Live on the way back, and they were talking about you know how many goodbyes there are today. You know, Sergio Aguero at Man City, Pablo Hernandez and Berardi at Leeds, Hodgson at Palace, uh, Wes Morgan and Christian Fuchs at Leicester. All these players have a chance to say goodbye, and you know it's the storyline is being crafted around them to some extent. Yeah, here's us in a nothing game, a dead rubber. Surely you would want Ariola. I mean, it's not going to the goalkeeper in the sense is not going to make that much of a difference? So in this situation, you'd probably want Ariola to play just to give him that goodbye. But it, again, it's just trying to get that balance right between you can see the logic behind it and the emotional side of it should have probably played a bigger part in it.
0: Well, I, I completely understand the, the thought process behind not picking players who aren't going to be here next season. We've kind of spoken about it in the last couple of weeks and asked in preview podcasts whether or not Scott Parker might do that. So I, I get the logic behind it but if you're going to if you're going to pick players who are only going to be here next season then why bring Ruben Loftus-Cheek on at half time when Ariola's on the bench ariola our player of the season ruben loftus-cheek twat of the season i was going to use another word then but I, I quickly edited myself mark what what did you make of it
2: um i th- i think obviously first you have to take into consideration this kind of caveat that we find ourselves in which by all means, is is quite rare, usually, uh, you know, playing these kind of dead rubber games. And what with, you know, fans, fan expectation maybe of, of who was going to play. I think Scott was always kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't, in a way, um, whether he stuck with the players that have played with us all season and, you know, rewarded the supporters that have turned up by, by letting him see them or not. Um, I think, uh, there, yeah, there were positives and negatives, weren't there? Um I was happy for Rodak to go in goal but I thought it should have happened maybe a few games ago if it, if it was going to happen at all I, I don't think the last game of the season to chuck him in like that um do what you did with Tim Ream you know uh, give him a little bit of time to bed in um into the team there um I think uh similar there what we said about Fab it was great to have him in there and I think that is a little bit of Scott you know playing to the emotions of the crowd like Scott you know has obviously been a part of the team as a player and a manager now, when he's seen that happen quite a lot, you know we we do like to um, to get to give opportunities to youth late on, and, and you know I think of when we gave um, uh, Patrick Roberts, you know, games before, when, when we were relegated in that season, and, and we just chucked him on for the last year. and so for him to to get a chance to play out in front of the home fans, I think that was nice. But to be honest, we've gotten used to these kind of bizarre decisions, haven't you? So I don't think uh, I, I don't think you can really guess. I don't think you can really. Kind of wonder what was in Scott's head, um, other than you know he just does what he wants, doesn't
0: he? It was quite a nice moment. Speaking of Fabio Carvalho, actually, at the end of the game, when all the players were shaking hands, and a couple half half-ass came over to clap us, and then he made the effort. He walked down, and the, the Hammersmith end gave him a really good reception. So that was really nice to see. And then he was quickly followed by Tim Ream. And I think Tim Ream has had an all right couple of games, to be honest. I always worry about sticking Tim Ream in up against any pace. And, of course, uh, Newcastle has Sam uh, Maximum up front. Um, and he did skin Tim Ream and, and the other Fulham defenders a couple of times. But I thought Tim Ream held his own. And Bordeaux, Tim Ream's your mate. You saw about at that ice hockey game that time. What did you make of Tim Ream's performance today?
1: Yeah, I think we can quantify Tim Ream as friend of the show, Tim Ream, after that, after <laughs> that one picture. I think we can, I think we can quantify yeah. that. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Tim Ream did had a brilliant had a brilliant performance. And we know again, it's a dead rubber game, so you know there were times where the pace just the pace just wasn't there, and the intensity wasn't there. But Tim Ream, I think, was one of the players who you know we've said this about Ario can hold his head up high for the season. I think, given the situation Tim Ream is in, I think he can hold his head up high. There was one time where, again, early in the early in the first half, a ball was played over the top. It was just over um, Tosin Adarabio. And Tim Ream, as the left centre back, has come flying across the, flying across the box from his position to just head the ball out ahead of whoever the Newcastle player was on rushing. Note he was one of the players that was you know putting in tackles and doing all that stuff. Again, he's he 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 had a very good performance. I uh, I said earlier that you know he's under contract. I think there has been some claims that he signed an extension, so he is with us for next year. So he'll be if he is with us for next year and he is in the championship. I think he's a good player to have, you know, the experience of promotion and all that sort of stuff, and he's a he'll be a good player to you know rotate in. But I don't want us to be i don't I don't want us to look at these couple of games and think, oh, well, he's doing okay in the Premier League. He'll be brilliant in the Championship. Now, I think he should be a rotation player. I don't want to build the defence around him next season. I think his his time has come to sort of take a little bit of a step back.
0: Yeah, no, I, th- I think that's fair, and I, I don't think anyone would be expecting Tim Ream to. To be a first choice next season, it's just again uh, we said it in the uh, in the Manchester United reaction podcast that it's just strange that Michael Hector hasn't uh, got himself back into the team because I, th- I thought he'd probably be one of one of the first names on the team sheet defensively next season. But I don't know him and him and Adam Rabiot, um seem to be a logical choice as things stand at the moment. What with Congolo always being injured, but who knows? Who knows how it's going to go. Now, you you guys have both mentioned this game is a dead rubber and there was really no intensity from either side on the whole from, you know, start to finish. It, it really was played out like a friendly. Mark, you think the players would lift their games a little bit considering that the supporters are in the ground, wouldn't You think that they'd want to put on some kind of performance?
2: Yeah, you you would think so wouldn't you. Um I think it does come down to individual performances. Marek Rodak can only do so much but what he did mm. I thought was good when he had the the chance to do so. Um again we mentioned Tim Ream there who I think you know he understands the um, or he has a relationship rather with the Fulham fans so I think that was reflected in his performance. Um similarly Joe Bryan as well I thought um I thought Joe actually kind of put himself across quite well and he's had a really tough season um has Joe so um, I was pleased to see him doing well. Um, in terms of just overall uh, kind of passion or, or vigour from the players, it's just not what we've grown to expect this season, is it? And it was, you know, typified, which I'm sure we'll get onto later with, with Ruben Loftus-Cheek coming on in the second half. Um, but, yeah, I just don't I don't really see this, this vigour and this... You know, the commentators mentioned about Mitro on the bench saying that... Uh, Mitro not being, sorry, uh, called upon and saying, you know, that would give a, a bit of bite to this team. I don't think it would. I think there's a lot of things that need to change in this team before we can even see or start talking about seeing any passion. We haven't seen it all season, so I don't understand why we we expected to see much of it tonight.
0: It's interesting, actually. You mentioned about um, supporters having relationships with players. And the only player who got his name sung today was Tim Ream, because that's the easy Ream. But... Because we haven't had the opportunity to build up relationships with any of these players, really, than certainly the players that joined this season. When the the players are doing their their lap of honour, there was a lot of clapping, but there was there was no chance of the players' names, really, apart from Tim Ream, um, and that that was that's really apparent. I guess that's that's nobody's fault. That's that's just the situation that we've been in. But it's almost like. Supporters didn't really know what to do with themselves when when the players were doing their 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 lap of of honour in, in inverted commas because you know there, there was just no nobody bothered to make up any chance for the likes of Tassin or um, Kenny Tete or you know. Um, anyway, let's move on. We we had a couple of half chances. Adamola Lutman broke on the on the counter, played in Cav and Cav bent it wide, and then Cav also put one narrowly over the crossbar in the first half, but. What was really, really apparent to me today, and it's not necessarily something that I've noticed so much when, uh, when when I've been watching on TV, is when we're breaking, the lack of players we get forward to support our attack is just utterly abysmal. And it's really easy to see when you're in the ground why we score so few goals, because there's just no options in the penalty area. But Aldo, what did you make of it?
1: Yeah, I, th- I think you said it perfectly. There are a couple of times, you know, attacking today, where again someone would someone would break forward, but there's no one there supporting him. And even when we got the ball, even when we got the ball out wide, you know, with the likes, of, you know, Caviera would sometimes drift wide, or the ball would come to Lookman, or it would come to Joe Bryan. Even in that situation, you're looking, you just, you know, the ball's in there and you're you're looking in the box because you want to wait for the ball to come in. There's no one there that you would sort of bank your money on or you would put your money on to actually score in that situation. You know, if Joe Bryan whips the ball in. You've got the likes of Carriero, Fabio Carvalho, and Adam Luckman, who are gonna be challenging for it. Do any of them fill you with confidence they're gonna get ahead on the ball? You know, that's ironically where we want where we want Mitrovic and where we've been calling out for him. But yeah, the the options in attack, there just seems to be too many players who want to, you know, go wide. Cut back and then do you know do the Iron Robin curl it into the far post, where was, no one really wants to sort of drive in the box and be in the box. So yeah, it's I don't know if I don't know if it's a players taking it upon themselves thing or if it's Scott Parker tactical thing, but there is something that really does need to be addressed for next season to actually making sure we have we have bodies in the box for whenever we for whenever we have the ball.
0: But there were specific moments today where I noticed where we won the ball in midfield. And let's say it was Caviero or Lutman or somebody with a bit of pace that got the ball and started driving forward. And there'd just be two Fulham players running forward and five or six Newcastle players just jogged back and and got in position, crowded us out and the chance just amounted to nothing. I mean, Scott Parker must be able to see this. You know, if, if I can see it with my limited knowledge and limited footballing brain, Scott Parker must be able to see it. So I, I just don't understand why why he hasn't changed it. And as I said, I, I try and stick up for Scott Parker because I don't necessarily want him to get sacked this season. I won't be gutted if he goes, but I, I I can see the
2: argument for it. What do you reckon, Mark? Is that a, a question on whether Scott Parker should keep his job? or? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Let, let, let's say that. I think the problem we have is we have an inexperienced manager with an inexperienced team with no know-how. Um, I think the problem is that we have too many players that have been stitched together, you know, be that via the, the kind of the leftovers from our previous Premier League squad or some kind of absolutely shocking signings that, that we made over the last two years. Um, I, I, I think that, yeah, that, that the main problem is that, that that Scott just doesn't seem to be able to work out a way to get these these players to gel and to get a coherent team that, that kind of understand the strategy. Um, we had it a, a, for a brief spell over Christmas and it kind of hoodwinked a lot of, of us fans, maybe, into thinking that there was some kind of, you know, uh, master plan all along in this season and that, you know, it was the fact that we were waiting for, you know, these these signings to come in and, that, you know, we started the season horribly and then things started working out. But as the season has gone on, it, it, you're right, it does just seem more and more that, that there is no kind of idea, there is no game plan. And now it is the question of whether we decide that that Scott is the person to lead us forward. and. Take on this kind of rejuvenation. I think we need at least a couple of years in the championship. I think this squad needs a a complete overhaul. I think we lack leaders. I think we lack uh, aggression. I think we lack so many different fundamentals of a football club. Um, And and, yeah, personally, I just don't think Scott Parker is the person who can come in and and, and do a long job and actually turn turn it around. Um, I didn't really want to mention him today because I mean, there's been no reason to mention him for the last couple of months but but Tom Kearney is someone who I kind of come back to every so often and and just think about what his role is at the club and as club captain I think he has something to do for this club and if it's not next season I mean I would have personally I would have never appointed him captain in the first place and still have him at this club in general but I think when you're looking at that team you need a leader and you need someone to step up and if we're losing K-Mac if we're losing Steph Joe you know we need people to to actually come and rise. Tim Green may be one of them, but TC is currently the only person who I think you know should be the one to motivate this team and should be the one to do stuff. It doesn't matter if you're injured, if you're club captain, in my opinion.
0: We're also losing Anderson and we're losing Mitrovic, who are other people who have been leaders on the pitch in the past for us. So a lot of big characters are going to be gone from that dressing room. And I completely agree with you. I think it is going to be another couple of seasons in the Championship at the very least. although, where do you sit on Scott Parker at the moment?
1: Um, well I sort of joked about this in the in the what in the WhatsApp group, but I've been saying all season that I will give Scott Parker the season because he earned it and because of the difficulties that he talked about. Sort of now the season's over. I think I I'm I think I'm within my rights to say that I want Scott Parker out, but at the same time, there's just that little part of me that, you know, again, we again we've been dis- we've been discussing this off air. He he. he made it work in the championship. I think he should at least be given the chance to try and make it work. Again, if it comes to October, November time, and we're tenth, then you can make the argument to say, right, we need we need to change direction. But if we but if we go well and if he starts well in the championship again, if the championship is his level as it were, like I've made like I've made in the past, he could be the David Nugent or Jerome Thomas of the championship when it comes to managers. Very good, but he just can't do it in the Premier League. So if we're there, if we're fighting, if we're in the playoff spot, then I think he deserves I think he deserves the chance to prove it. I don't think we should be getting rid of him this summer. But at the same time, if it comes out next week and, you know, we get the, the corner flag picture, you know, club statement, Scott Parker relieved of his juries, I won't be surprised nor will I totally be you know, disappointed if we decide to go with another direction. As so long as we get a decent manager in to replace him, so long as it's not Tony Pulis or anything of that ilk, so long as there's, there's a manager that I can actually get behind and say, right, there's something there, then I won't be overly disappointed.
0: Sorry, can we just have that name beeped out, Tony Pulis? We, we <laughs> won't have that absolute scumbag mentioned on this podcast. Thanks very much.
2: Can I jump in there? Is that all right? Please, yeah, please do, I th- mate. I think you raise a good point there, in that you know we we have a, a serious kind of uh, crossroads ahead of us, in which we have a chance to repeat the the previous mistakes of the last five six years. Well, let's be frank, you know, the Khan era. We have a, an opportunity right now to 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 change the way that we go about things. I think that starts. At the top, I think maybe not the very top, but at least Tony Khan's level, which is, you know, an entire podcast of its own, what happens there. Mm -hmm. But I think the most important thing is that we don't fall into those previous mistakes. I don't want to see a twelve million pound winger signed in a couple of months' time from one of the teams who have just been promoted, who is just gonna sit on our wage bill for for the whole year and and, and contribute nothing. I wanna see actual prosperous signings and I want to see us form and mould an actual squad that is going to be able to go up to the Premier League and then be able to cope with it. So as much as I do think that he will get maybe a couple of months into the championship season and if results go his way, then I think he'll do fine. I think we need to make a move and I think we need to make it quite soon if we're going to actually, like you know Matt just said, you know, build something and and and, and make something for the future.
0: I think my my concern is that we're going to lose half the squad. We know we're going to lose half the squad because they're loans. So to lose the manager as well means that the only constant in this whole process is Tony Khan. And Tony Khan, as we know, is spread incredibly thin. He's not the most popular person around these shores. And it, it leaves us in a a kind of no man's land where we don't really know where we're going to be. We don't really have an identity at the moment. We, Our captain's never available for selection. Our star striker's probably going to leave and the other players that, that we enjoy watching are all going. So for, for the manager to go as well, then it's, it's a massive rebuild job for somebody. Is that somebody, if, Scott, if it's not Scott Parker, going to be able to make it work with Tony Khan?
2: I, I don't there, know. There's money in this team. There, there is money in this team to be to be made and to be reinvested. We have enough players in that squad for us to be able to recoup the money and go again and pick the right players. But that is, I think that is the most crucial thing is like we said all season long is whether it works at that level. So I think we'd all agree, you know, some of the recruitment this season on the first glance, it w- was fantastic. And, you know, yeah. we signed some good players, so credit where credit's due, but the problem has been is when we you know, sign permanent players and we make the wrong decisions a lot of the time.
0: Yeah, we've done that time and time again. All right, well, Baldo and I have just got back from the game. So I don't know about you, Baldo, but I've not seen any of the highlights or anything yet. So Mark, talk me through that opening goal. What happened? Who was at fault? It all happened really quickly and I've not had a chance to watch it again. So what happened?
2: Yeah, um I think Joe Willock actually um he, he managed to equal Alan Shearer's record for Newcastle scoring in successive Premier League games. I don't really know how he does it though, because there's there's a lot of luck involved. I mean he he managed to ghost from the halfway line to the edge of the penalty area. Um and Geeta looked like he was just kind of on his on his coattails for, for, for a ride, it didn't really look like he wanted to make a challenge. Um the actual goal itself, the the finish is good and and it's good. Um, it, it, it's a good kind of example of of taking the moment when it comes, but it, it's extremely fortunate um, that you know. The one critique I have is when the ball bounces up, is is Toshan is is trying to block it. Um, he's trying to get his foot in the way so that the shot will hit his foot and hopefully deflect. He needs to be attacking the ball there because when it pops up, you know, it, it's a race between the two of who's going to get there first. And unfortunately, you know, he gets it first and and it goes in the top corner. But if if Tosh actually went for the ball. I think I don't think it wouldn't have even been a shot on target. I think you know it would have just blocked or, or deflected. So mistakes all round. But like we said earlier on the show, you know when there's no motivation in in half the players to even chase a, you know a, a whatever he is five foot seven. I don't know how you know he's so skinny. Like Alan Gieser is massive next to him as well. It, it's a, a bit watching that. It was just kind of like okay, it's probably going to be one of those games today. I
0: thought um Fabio Carvalho looked really lively again, and I was impressed that he trapped back when we gave the ball away. I thought you know not only was he decent trying to go forward but also decent trying to trying to get back um next season i'm I'm really hopeful that his youthful enthusiasm will drag some enthusiasm out of some of the more senior players because it it didn't seem to today um thoughts on Fabio baldo
1: yeah, I felt I felt it was um, You know, one of like I said with Timmy, one of the few bright sparks of the game. You know, there was plenty of time where he would make, where he would make a good move. He had a couple of shots that he got away. Again, he's still very young in the Premier League. You know, I know Southampton was his first start, so things like four Premier League appearances now, you can see that he's still a young talent, but you can also see there is some there is something there that I think could prove incredibly useful in the in the championship next season. He was quite often he didn't have a lot of space at times he was being very crowded out by the Newcastle players. But if you can give him the ball in space, he can really he can really make something happen. And we saw brief glimpses, brief glimpses of that today. And yeah, as you said, hopefully that youthful exuberance, that youthful you know, skill and you know bravery in a sense. Because you know these young players they're not afraid to fail because they've got plenty, they will take risks because they know they've got their whole career ahead of them so hopefully we get some of that hopefully we get some of that in next season you know similar yeah you know, again similar to what patrick roberts should have been in the in the 2014 15 season but he was sort of put to one side uh by felix mcgath and and subsequently kit hope i'm just praying that fabio carvalho gets a, a decent chance ahead of him ahead of him next season that this is assuming they that, that you know we don't. We don't have a Harvey Elliott in our situation. He gets plucked aside by a by some Premier League team for you know compensation fee or whatever. I really hope we do keep him around because I do think he can be something special.
0: I, I think you're right, but I think we just need to be very careful as uh, as supporters that we don't expect too much from him because he has looked good in the last two or three games that he's that he's played in. But you're almost thinking now, well, he's looked good in those in that kind of brief window in the Premier League, but now we're over 46 games in a championship season if you're expecting him to pull all the strings then you're probably going to be you you're going to be disappointed because you know you you, you need you need experience to do that over the course of a whole season as well and there'll be dips in form people will start getting on his back thinking get him out of the team i would imagine that that would happen and if that does happen then it's all about strength of character and we don't you don't you just don't know about his strength of character yet But he definitely, he's an exciting player and he's an exciting prospect. But I just think that we need to be careful about pinning all of our hopes on him. What do you think, Mark?
2: Um, I'd send him out on loan, I think. Um, I think I'd get him game experience, um, maybe down in League 2 or League 1. I don't think next season is going to be for us the, the season in which we're Trying to bed a future, you know, eighteen-year-old prospect into the team, I just can't see it. Um, and previous experience has told us that we're pretty crap at it as well. Um, I think we, we we definitely have the makings of someone there, but you're completely right in that we need to, you know, not get ahead of ourselves with, with players like this. I think he's looked good. I wouldn't, you know, I don't. I'm not going to go over the top with him. I don't think I've seen anything that suggests he has the technical ability that Harvey Elliott had. I think Harvey Elliott actually, when we saw him, he was almost ready-made for you know championship football when when he, when he kind of played against Millwall that time I haven't really seen that from from Carvalho but at the end of the day I, I think Fulham need to get back to the the, the time when we were producing players that, that stayed at the club for a long period of time um and I think the issue that we've had in previous years i I said it earlier in the season and I got almost hounded for it but the way that we've treated a lot of our academy products and our young players over this over the last kind of 10, 15 years, we have a really storied history of producing young talent. And it's maybe not as remembered as, as as fans think. But in the last 10 to 15 years, we've been awful at developing truly, truly good players to actually last into our first team. So I don't want to jump in too quickly with Carvalho and either give him too much too soon and him ship off somewhere quickly, or to do you know the opposite. I think give him a bit of game time somewhere lower, lower down, maybe.
0: I think logically that makes sense, but... The way the fans' relationship is currently with the, the hierarchy at Fulham, if Carvalho was sent out on loan, having looked promising in the Premier League, I feel like there'd be a meltdown. What, what do you think, Baldo? Do you think that that is, that is a possibility?
1: I I would be I would be stunned. I, I can understand I can understand Mark's Mark's logic there, and you know I'm saying all these things. I, you know, I'm I do semi-joke when I made the point about him being. In the Championship Team of the Year, I do think there is something, but I'm not again. I'm not going to base all of my hopes on him. I, but I do agree with what you say. I think after what we've seen, I think that I I I just can't see how they would, you know, I don't see how they would let lend him out, you know, loan him out to a League Two or League One side. At least, at least to start with. I mean, it could be a case of he starts, you know, first weekend of the season away at Hull, say, you know, does okay. Then when we come back and play. Blackburn say he does okay. If he, he I think there could be a decision where they start him and they think, mm, no, this division's a little bit too physical for him. Let's let's lend him out. I I can see that being the case. I don't think we go. You know, I don't think he's out of the team by August. Let's go that way.
2: I think you need to look at previous precedent as well because I think if Steven Cessignon had got his year out on loan earlier. I think we could be raving about him as, you know, our our huge prospect of of, of next season or or something. You know, he's had a great time at Bristol City. Um, I just think with, with Carvalho, it's almost as if, you know, how many appearances do we realistically expect him to get next season if Fulham go out and spend a bit of money in four positions, which we are expecting them to do? I don't see how he gets a run of games in there that are actually kind of productive to his development as opposed to going, uh, you're right. Maybe it's not a a case of going down to to a league two. Maybe that is too low for his level, but maybe finding a a similar league uh, or like a, you know, in in another country or something, I'm just not entirely convinced that that he is a ready-made player for us that can make an impact and his development can progress in that kind of way in one season in the championship. I'm just not too sure. And personally, I, I like I said, I, I think we're gonna be signing wingers and, and, and on signing an attacking midfielder that will just mean his development gets limited to, I don't know, say a couple of starts in the cups, but just majority a lot of reserve games and a lot of appearances on the bench.
0: Yeah, no, it's it's a good debate actually. I hadn't I hadn't even thought about it, but I'm open to being convinced about it for, for sure. I, I think um I think you're right. He, sending him out on loan it's probably going to be more game time for him. And if we did sign somebody in that kind of number 10 role that he seems to favour, then what's the
2: point, really? And that... Um, I'm completely prepared now for after all of that for him to to completely tear up the championship next season. By the way, uh, oh, I, I'm ready if, he, if he does, if he does, then fantastic. <laughs> yeah, we'll, <laughs> think... we'll delete this podcast and all we'll record. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, all right, let's uh, let's talk about the first substitution then. Great to see Ruben Loft's cheek, wasn't it, coming on on at halftime for Anguissa. Two players, I think we can probably all agree, uh, aren't going to be here next season and. Probably best that we never
1: mentioned again. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, Loftus-Cheek got the reception I think most people were were expecting. If, uh, just because, I mean, there have been a lot of, you know, scapegoats as it's been this season. But I think he is probably the biggest one of them all. You know, we talk about Lukman, who got a decent reception. I think there was one or two boos, but certainly nothing to the level of Loftus-Cheek. You know, for the way, you know, the, the penalty against West Ham and what have you. Um, But I think Loftus-Cheek has been the biggest scapegoat of them all. you know quite rightly got the reception that that he deserved. And Anguissa, again, the less said about him, the better. I I would imagine he'd be moved on, probably sold. I just hope we get back as much as we can from him.
0: Loftus-Cheek isn't shit. He's just not lived up to the level of expectation that we thought, you know, we were going to get from him. You know, we thought we were getting this player who could carry the team. And we were talking about this in the chat the other day, and I, I personally think he's one of those players that if you put better players around him, then he looks better. His, his levels lifted up, you know, at Chelsea and to uh, with England to a certain extent. But you put him in a team where he's kind of expected to carry the team and be the star player, and he's completely died on his ass. What, what do you make of him, Mark?
2: Um, yeah, I actually watching the playoffs the other night in the Championship. Um, actually mainly because of their physicality but also the way they play the game as well I, I kind of compared him a little bit to um, to Bournemouth's uh, I forgot his name now <laughs> oh Dominic Solanke, there we go oh, yeah. I had it on, a, on the tip of my tongue until uh, until mm-hmm. I needed it um yeah I still I see it similar to him um, where you think you know all of the effectiveness and, and all the physical capabilities of being able to run the show but when you watch him it's almost as if you know you, you can see and everyone can see there is just something you're not getting out of him. Um and you're right, maybe that is something that, you know, he can go after Chelsea and, and do it there. I sincerely um I, I I don't think he will. I don't think he'll 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 stick around at Stanford Bridge for too much longer if he's gonna kind of, you know, if that's if, if this is what we all we can get out of him, or, or they can get out of him rather. Um and yeah, just a touch on Angisa. I think he's had a um a, a, a good a season as he could have. I think he did wane and obviously his form did dip a little bit when he got Covid um in the new year. But but in general, I think of the job that he was asked to do, he he did it, and and he kept himself in the shop window, which is all we can really ask of him, isn't it? Fingers crossed, like you said, we actually recoup a, a little bit of the money we get for him, because um, because otherwise, you know, it, it will be another failure, a la John Serry.
0: We just need we just need a creative midfielder. We've got too many of these players who are ball winners who can carry the ball, but just not deliver a final pass, and that combined with the fact that. Not enough players are getting into good positions has just really been our downfall this season. Anyway, um, uh, when players do get into good positions and do have really good opportunities, they're very good at fluffing their lines in this Fulham team. The Caviero miss. We all know it. We all saw it at the time. How on earth has he not scored? Either of you come in on this, please.
1: I think I, I, the, the fact that he missed, the fact that he missed, obviously makes it worse. But it's the fact that he couldn't get it on target. Like if he'd have put, like in that situation, if he'd have put it straight at the goalkeeper and the goalkeeper had saved it, you'd at least give him something of, oh, you know, if the goalkeeper made a great save. At least he managed to get it on target. But in that situation, to put it, put it over the bar again, even if he wanted to like chip it in from that situation and a Newcastle offender cleared it off the line, you'd at least say, okay, you he tried something, okay. To not even get it on target, I think it just sums Caviero's season up, and just how bad, how badly he has been in in those situations where you, you know, need him the most. He just hasn't been able to produce.
0: Just not a centre forward, is he, Mark?
2: No, absolutely not. And and that's reflected in the numbers he's got. He's been here for three seasons now. He's got nine goals in a Fulham shirt. He's played over sixty seventy games for us. You know, it's he, not good enough. It's simply not good enough. And. I think as well the the thing that struck me the most is i forget his age he's meant to be in his prime he's 27 i think he, yeah i think he's 26 27 years old so you know this is a player who who we signed and i mean there were questions over at the, at the start or when we signed him because he wasn't really fancy too much at wolves during that kind of promotion season so there was always something that mm-hmm. we thought maybe was different and we can have this conversation over and over again but he misses so many chances that you look at and you just think if it's confidence, then, you know, you can't, we can't wait for that anymore. You know, he's got to be someone yeah. who is, if, if not immediately out the door, then on the chopping block and seriously at risk of losing his place in this team. Because, you know, I don't think anyone would want to sign him from us, mind. But yeah, it, it's just watching that miss. It, it looked easier to to do anything other than what he did, didn't it?
0: It really did. It really did. That being said, I don't think he had that bad a game generally. He's just not a centre forward and that'll be all he's remembered for from this game for sure. Um, So so Josh Madger came on for Adam ola and then uh, Francois came on for Joe Bryan. Um, The game played out and we gave away a penalty right at the end, which Newcastle scored. Again, I'm going to come back to you, Mark. Was it a penalty? I mean, again, I haven't seen it.
2: I can only go on what on on what I thought of it, and 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 I didn't think it was a penalty at all. It, it, it the contact is um, is minimal, and the contact isn't initiated. Um, you know, it, who was the Fulham defender? Sorry, um, I'm trying to remember now. Was it Tete? Uh, Tete. That's a, yeah. He wasn't. He he didn't initiate the contact. The the kind of the the leg kind of kicked up into him. So, and, and the one thing I thought, I mean, you know, the decision was bad enough, but they checked it on VAR, and it was almost as if. They checked it, and within 20 seconds, I think, barely even that long that it lasted, the game just carried on. And I know it's a dead rubber, so at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. But, yeah, I would have looked at that a lot harder and, and, and thought to myself, you know, we've seen examples of that not being given an, an overturn before. So I was just confused, and at that point, just couldn't be asked, you know?
0: Yeah.
2: So hang on, it- so,
1: that, so, that, hang on. so that penalty went to VAR. Again, this is something we don't get in the... Like, I know there are some VARs where it actually says on the screen, you know, VAR check possible printing. Was this just one of those where the VAR people just double checking the referee's not involved?
2: Yeah, so so it was one of those ones where they check it. And if they thought that it was, uh, you know, going to be something that they need to look at again, then they'll go to the pitch side monitor. But the VAR Stockley Park, apparently, as far as, you know, the commentator <coughs> said, we just got told they have looked at it. There will be no further action based on it. And the penalty was given. But they showed maybe two replays on Sky, uh, and the commentators—I don't know—it was almost as if they were like, "Oh, that's a that's a bit that's a bit oh well, wow, penalty, whatever." You know. It but you play. know,
0: you know, you know, it's a dead rubber when the amount of injury time at the end of the game is one minute. When there's been a load of subs, They're just like let's just fucking get this over and done with. No one cares about this anymore. Let's just knock it on the head. One nil, two nil. Who cares? Fulham could be playing till Christmas. They ain't going to score, so. What a season, eh? What a season it's been. Um, let's have a Parker Racing, a final Parker Racing of the season, boys. Baldo, Scott Parker rating for Newcastle.
1: Um, I, I'll give him a, I'll give him a four, just because I just, I just didn't understand. I sort of understood the team selection, but it still a couple of glaring omissions, and again, not even, and the way he managed the game as well, not exactly playing up to it. So, he gets a four for me.
2: All right, mate. How about for you, Mark? Yeah, I think I'd go with a four as well, to be honest. The the team was, um, yeah, it didn't pick itself, but it was sort of strange quirks as it always is. Uh, but in general, yeah, just just no emotion, no kind of passion, no no nothing. Went out of the Premier League with, a, with another fizzle, um, as we seem to do quite regularly. So, yeah, four, four for me.
0: I think I'd go four as well. Parker in, Parker out, Parker shake it all about. Cheers, lads. Thank God this season is over and done with and we can put the whole disaster to bed now. We'll have to wait and see what the summer brings us. But meanwhile, we'll have a big fat quiz of the season and our end of season awards show coming up shortly. Keep your eyes on social media for details of when they'll be out or better still, just make sure you're subscribed. Have a great summer, guys. and speak to you soon. Cheers. фолом.